You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Father, you've already spoken to us. You're taking a very clear direction today. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for making yourself known to us and known intimately to every age group in this building today. As some of the children are released this morning, we thank you for the people that work with them. Thank you for the anointing that's on them to represent you to the kids. We thank you for open hearts in this room and in every room in this building. And Holy Spirit, we trust you to bring revelation to us today from the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So third, oops, I don't know why I'm turning this off. Third, fourth, and fifth graders, you staying in. Everybody else or all the kids can be dismissed. Third, fourth, and fifth, you get the special privilege of hearing me preach. It'll be awesome. Encourage everybody. I don't have any uh, slides for you today because this has just kind of been developing all week. And um, I felt like I needed the freedom to just go where we need to go, uh, not get tied down to anything today. So I don't have any slides for you this morning. We're going to begin over in James chapter 3. And so you can turn there, and I would encourage you to get your Bible out or whatever device you use to read the Bible and something to record some notes this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you. This is a subject, you know, I, I think we talk about frequently within other subjects and once in a while as a standalone, but really what I have this morning more than a topic, usually I have a topic, uh, this uh, I've just had about three passages of Scripture that have been going around in me. Uh, for some time, and they kind of came to the, they kind of come to the surface at some point. Feel like that's where we need to go, and that's what's going on this morning. I don't know that we'll get to all three of those. Uh, I'm not real concerned about that, but uh, we're just going to go through some passages. So I want to talk to you about the idea of steering your course or steering your course rightly. Um, this is a, it's a, it's an idea that. I'm real passionate about that Christians are not supposed to just drift through life. Believers, we're not supposed to just drift through life. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and it, he has made the way completely open and possible for us to connect with him and discover what that plan and what that purpose is and to walk in it and to live in it. And there are just some tools that we need to, to grab hold of. The, the phrase that, that I... Uh, kind of like with this is that I want us to have, I want us to be in harmony with the will of God for our life, but I believe that's an aggressive harmony. I believe that's a purposeful harmony. I believe that, you know, we usually think of harmony as this, and it is, this nice blending of different notes and, you know, creates this beautiful sound. Well, that's all great, 
But for us on this earth, between what's going on in the world and our flesh and all of that, we need to be determined and purposeful about grabbing hold of the will of God for our life and walking in it. And if we're not, we're probably going to miss it. And a lot of us were raised in environments where Christianity was presented as a very passive, whatever the Lord's going to do, he's going to do. And we're just kind of drifting along with that. That's just, it's, it's honestly not what is taught in scripture. And Paul used the phrase, uh, he talked about over in Philippians, he talked about his purpose and, and how he was forgetting what's behind and pressing forward to, to what's ahead, right? In order to, he used the word apprehend. He wanted to apprehend. To, and it, in the Greek, it's this picture of, you know, I always think of a football tackle. I mean, it's chasing something down and tackling it. And, and he's saying, I want to take possession of the thing that Christ took possession of me, the thing for which Christ took possession of me. I want to take possession of it, the thing for which Christ apprehended me. I want to apprehend that. So there is this, it's not that God's, um, we're not like greyhounds on a, on a track and God has his will out there like the rabbit, you know, and, and he's dragging it around in front of us and we're trying to chase it down. It's what's going on in our own hearts and where we are that God's God's will is there for us and he will make it known to us and he wants to make it known to us. But if we're resistant to that, if we're unwilling to go there, uh, if, if we're not willing to overcome whatever we need to overcome in order to pursue and apprehend that, well, we're not going to know what it is. And so uh, this idea of steering your course means that with the Holy Spirit and with the word of God, and with what the Lord is doing in my life, in harmony with that, I'm actually steering with him the course of my life. And James talks about this here. We're going to go ahead and start in James chapter 3 and verse 1. And, and we're going to read a number of verses, probably down through verse 11 or 12 here. Uh, but, but we'll begin in verse 1. But he talks about this, and he talks about what the part that our words and our tongue have uh, to play in this whole thing. So in verse 1, James chapter 3, this is the New International Version. He says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So the idea in that verse is that, I like the way actually the, the NIV brings it out here. He says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Um, see, to me, you've got to put this in the context of every one of us are told by Jesus that we're to disciple other people. And that involves teaching and modeling and, and instructing and demonstration and going through life together, but bringing somebody along in Christ. So it's not that God's against us instructing others. The idea here is don't presume to be teachers. Don't, and, and within that context, if you look it up in the original language, it's saying, it, he's speaking to a church. James was the pastor of the church in, in Jerusalem, actually. So he's talking mostly to Jews, converted Jews. And he's saying, don't just jump into this. Don't just, it, it shouldn't be that everybody in the congregation considers yourself an expert in all things. And that's kind of the key part of this. Even as you lead other people and disciple other people, always understand in your own heart that you don't have to have all the answers. 
I mean, there are, you know, I understand this really well. I still, I make mistakes. You guys, you know, I, I'm not at all afraid to talk about my own sins, my own mistakes, my own errors to you. And, you know, I've told you before that every once in a while I'll have, especially online, I'll have some of the guys I grew up with um, that knew me then, you know, and they'll say, oh, if your congregation knew, and, and I, I'm able to come back and say, yeah, they know. They know I did all that stuff because we talk about it, you know. So, so it's that idea of as you lead others, as you, uh, as the Lord helps you grow, just stay humble about it. And and back in the previous chapters, James made a big deal about humility and humility before the Lord. So the idea is don't just don't just jump into this. Don't think you have to know everything. Don't be afraid to say I don't know. Don't and always realize that as you're instructing people. You want to point them to Christ anyway. You don't want that position. I refuse. I mean, what a dumb thing for anybody to look at me as, uh, I mean, I know I have a role and, and all that. I get it. But it's like to look at me as the person you're supposed to model your life out of, after. I doubt any of you do that anyway. But Jesus is the one. He is the one that we all look to, right? So we always want to, even if we are instructing somebody, we want to point them to Jesus. We want to teach them how to go to the Lord and, and get what they need. So I don't know that that has anything to do with our topic today, but that's the first verse there. So he says, don't presume to be teachers because you know uh, that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that's the other part of that is to whom much is given, much will be, uh, much will be, <laughs> Required, thank you. I knew it was an R. I had an R, but received, rejected, remorse, no. Anyway, so yeah, so there's this accountability over our growth and, and what we're sharing with people. He goes on to say, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, notice this, if anyone's never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. And that word perfect there means complete. It means mature. So this is this idea that if we're never at fault, this would be the ultimate in Christian maturity is to never be at fault in what we say. I just think it's so interesting that he goes immediately to, we all make lots of mistakes. The real goal here is Get your mouth under control. And he, and he goes on. He makes this really clear. He says, we, stum we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect or a mature person, able to keep his whole body in check. So he's making the point that if we are able to control our mouth, able to control our tongue, and we talked about this just a few weeks ago, you're able to control your whole life. One of the hardest things to control is our words. One of the hardest things for us to uh, govern is what we say. We come under pressure in different situations, and the first thing we want to do, we either want to talk about it for one reason or another, or, or we want to you know, we want to go after somebody. Here are just a few reasons that we lose control of our tongues, okay? We lose control of our tongues in anger, okay? A lot of times when we get angry, we want to blast somebody. You know the pressure I'm talking about. It's hard not to say anything, but if we can, if we can govern our tongue in that place, this word uh, 
in the, and I think it's down in, um, yeah, it's there in verse 2, where it talks about, in the King James Version, I think it uses the word bridle, to bridle our tongue. And that word means to restrain, to govern, or to lead the tongue. To restrain, to govern, or to lead. And so the idea is when, there's, when we become angry, when we become, and I'm just giving you four here, when we move into fear, a lot of times we lose control of our tongue when we're in fear. We start to say things that are contrary to what we actually believe. We start to declare things about our future that we don't want to live. We don't want to live it, but we're going to prophesy it because we're fearful. And, and if we don't govern our tongue in that place, we'll start to speak things. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And the person who loves it, meaning the person who indulges in it, the person who just lets their mouth fly, is going to eat the fruit of it. We looked at a whole bunch of verses about three weeks ago about that. It's, it's powerful what we do with our tongue. And he says, if we can keep our tongue, we can keep our whole body, in other words, our whole life, in check. This is a key and it's also one of the most difficult things to do. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do it. So we lose control of our tongues in anger. We lose control of our tongues a lot of times in fear. Uh, we lose control of our tongues in frustration. We'll get frustrated with a situation or, or a person and we'll just let it go because it makes us feel better emotionally. But those words that we're speaking, remember we talked about our words actually carry, there's a spiritual quality to our words. There, there are spiritual forces that are released through our words and they go out there ahead of us and they, and they snare us and, and shape our lives. And so anger, fear, frustration. And the other one is uh, when we're intoxicated. You know, if you, if you insist, that's why the scripture uh, cautions us about, well, it doesn't just caution us. It says, don't be intoxicated. Don't be drunk with wine. And that would include any other type of intoxicant. Any kind of drug you want to talk about, I don't care how popular it is, I don't care how accepted it is, if you're getting intoxicated, you are, um, you are opening yourself up to some problems. And a lot of times, this is why, you know, I mean, we all know this. I mean, we had a situation, uh, well, I'm just going to tell that story. It's not, uh, yeah, it won't hurt, I don't think. The man's gone. Uh, Karen's father was a man who didn't, well, he talked all the time, but, but he didn't share his feelings. Let me say that. He was a storyteller. He was, he was a great storyteller, especially when you were trying to get out the door to do something. He'd start into a new long one. But anyway, that aside, um, but he didn't share his feelings. He didn't really talk from his heart that much, you know, World War II guy. And, uh, but when he'd have a few beers in him, then you'd really find out what was in him. And actually, Karen as a child liked that to a point, and then it would go over the top. But it, she'd really get to hear his heart, so she actually kind of liked it when he would drink a little bit. And the, the problem is with that is that if you build that into your life, you are going to say things that you don't want to say and that you shouldn't say. Okay, and here's, here's partly why. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago too. There's a difference between facts and truth. 
Okay, truth is who God is and what God has said. And that's what we want to be speaking. That's what we want to be speaking out of our hearts and over our lives. And remember, as, as James says this to us, that we need to govern our tongues. Well, we've seen this before. How do we do that? We have to deal with what's in our heart because Jesus said, what is in your heart in abundance, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. What, what you really believe in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth, especially under pressure, especially in some of these times of pressure or when your tongue gets too relaxed, then that's going to come out of your mouth. And you don't want that to come out of your mouth because it still carries life or death with it. And so this whole idea of restraining the tongue, we can never separate as believers. We can't separate the words of our mouth from the abundance of our heart. If we're going to govern the words of our mouth, we have to govern the inflow into our hearts. We have to change what is being stored up and treasured in our hearts. There's no other way to do it. If you just, if you just try to, I mean, the, the point he's making here is this is a really hard thing to do, but it's something we need to do. If you're just trying to govern your tongue right here, okay, if you're just trying to do it right here, you're going to fail over and over and over and over again. But if you begin to deal with what you're taking in and what you're meditating on, what you're thinking about, what you're letting your emotions get entangled with. And that's going to include the conversations you have, the friends you keep, the things you read, the things you watch on television, the, the, um, the amounts of the, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, all of that is input into your heart, every bit of it. And, and the more that you think about those things. The more you let those things go deeply inside, the more you allow your emotions and your soul to get engaged in those things. Those are, those are going to be the things that are stored up in your heart and they are going to come out when you're angry, when you're fearful, when you're frustrated, when you're, when you're in an emotional state or, or if you, and I just, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that we can't drink. It doesn't, but it says, do not be drunk. And I haven't talked about this for a long time, but I just, in this society, I just, I know, I know for some of you it's no issue. For others it is. I just encourage you, if it's any issue at all, get away from it. Just give it up. It's not that bad not using alcohol or pot or whatever. It's, it's not that bad, honestly. As a believer, it's not that bad being straight, okay? Took me a while to discover that, but the truth is, it's great. I wasted a lot of time with all of that. And I just encourage you, in this society, it's just we, you know, what, what constitutes, because the scripture says to us, so this is going to be a Holy Spirit thing. It has to be, it, it will only work in you if you give this to the Lord and say, what's my limit? What do you want me to do with it? I want you to be Lord over this area of my life. And unless you do that, it's always going to be that uh, don't be drunk with wine. The word drunk is going to mean just a little bit more than whatever you drink, okay? That's what we do as human beings. We're going to justify ourselves at that level. So anyway, okay, so enough meddling in that area of your life for this morning. But let's go on here. James goes on with this. He says, in verse 3, he says, we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us so we can turn the whole animal. So he's just giving us some illustrations here. And he says, again, we, we use the mouth or for sure the head, you know, of a horse to control the horse. And a lot of times you do that with a bit or maybe you have a different kind of uh, head stall. But, but at any rate, you're going to control that horse's head. And if you can control that small part, you'll control the whole big, powerful 
animal. All right, and he goes on in verse four. He says, take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds and driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And I want to talk about this to you for just a few minutes here. Uh, this whole idea, you know, he's talking about a sailing vessel, okay, sailboat, ship, whatever. And he's pointing to the rudder and he's comparing that to our tongue. But he mentions a couple things. And when you think about there, there are several elements that actually work together to move and to steer a sailing vessel, okay? And I, I just want to go through those real quick. So the first thing is that there's a design to a ship or a boat. There's a, there's a specific de design, and we have a specific design. God designed us for a relationship with him and to have dominion in the earth. He designed us that way. A ship has to be designed a certain way. And for two reasons. The first one is, and I think everybody knows this, I mean, ships don't, or even boats, don't float because they're light, okay? I mean, a, an aircraft carrier is not light, okay? It's not light at all. They're designed to displace the amount of water that is equal to the weight of that ship. And so they, they actually go into their environment and push that water aside, and so they stay on top. And to me, there's a good spiritual picture in that, that we're designed for this earth, to have dominion in this earth and, and to have dominion over spiritual force. We're built that way. We are not just supposed to be. We're not submarines. We're not, uh, we're not rocks that just fall to the bottom, okay? We are built in such a way that we can go through this life with the Lord leading us, we can go through this life and we can move in an effective and efficient way. And ships are also designed to do that. They're designed to move through the water and in a specific way. So we have the design of the ship. We have, you know, he says they're driven by strong winds. Wind provides power. And we know that uh, in the scripture, the, you know, the, the term spirit really is, I mean, it essentially means the breath of God. It is often when the Holy Spirit uh, came, into the, came into the earth on the day of Pentecost, it sounded like a mighty rushing wind as he came in. Uh, we can look at that as the idea that what is driving our life, there are spiritual forces that are driving our life. And they are either, it's either going to be the Holy Spirit or it's going to be demonic spirits. But there are spiritual forces that are driving our life. And we need to choose which forces we're listening to in the first place and which forces we're coming into harmony with. And then when you're on a sailboat and there's wind, then you, again, this comes down to design. The sails are designed to work with the wind. They're designed to work like wings. And, and so they actually generate lift. And when you're on a sailboat, you want to go a certain direction. You're the helmsman. You're the one in charge. And you want to go a certain direction. So the first thing you do is you adjust those sails to the wind. You don't wait. You don't sit there and wait for the wind to adjust itself to you. You don't sit there and, and, and well, I, I want to go south. And, you know, the wind's coming out of the south. And so... I just sit here and hope that it swings around to the north and pushes me south. 
That's the kind of life a lot of us live as Christians. That isn't what you do. You adjust. And the point of this is we need to adjust ourselves to where the Spirit of God is going. We need to, we make whatever correction. And listen, a lot of believers don't do this. A lot of them are, we'll, we're wanting God to adjust himself to us. We're wanting God to adjust his word to us. I see it in the scripture, but I want to live this way. Or, oh, that's old fashioned. You know, it's, it's the word of God. Somebody told me that recently, that the word of God was, oh, that's old school. I said, no, it's timeless. It's eternal. It's not going to change. Break yourself against it all day long if you want to, but it's not going to change. He's not going to change. God's nature, his will, his ways, his word, they're not going to change. We just need to adjust ourselves to him. And as we do that, we begin to move. And it's, you know, actually on a sailboat, the fastest point of sail is not even straight down wind. Those sails, there's a design in you to, to get adjusted to the wind and to, to the, what the Spirit of God is saying in your life. You get what I'm saying? You adjust yourself to that and you begin to move. You begin to grow. You begin to make progress. You begin to bring change. You begin to move. And then, so we've got all of those things going on. And then we have the rudder, which is a really small part, but it works in conjunction with the sails. And it works in conjunction. You get that boat moving, and then you use the rudder to make adjustments, but it is the wind that's powering the boat. It's the wind and the design of the boat and all of that that's actually making it move. And then you use the rudder in conjunction with those sails. And there, and there are times where you'll hit a gust and, and it starts to you know, heel over because you're, you're getting pulled harder by the sails and you adjust the rudder a little bit into the wind and it picks back up and you just stay on this. So you're constantly using the two together. Well, James is comparing that rudder to our tongue, to the words that we're speaking. What are you saying over your life? The Spirit of God is there. He's pouring out His grace. He's powering you forward. You're, you're, you're spending time with him every day. You're making adjustments to what he is saying. You're willing to submit your life and your direction to him. You're making those adjustments. You're moving forward. But what are you saying? What are you doing with the rudder? What are you doing? And the point of that is we need to be taking in and meditating on his word and then having those words pouring out of our life. We want to speak truth. We want to speak what God has said about our kids and about our family and about our business and about our church and about our friends. We want to speak what God has said over our bodies. When we're, when we're having symptoms of sickness, we want to begin to speak healing. We want to begin to speak what Jesus has done over these bodies. Use the rudder. And this whole passage comes down to this point where, where we get all of this, or I get all of this, uh, out of this. And then he says, and it goes wherever the helmsman wills. Wherever that person that's in charge chooses to direct his course. All the way along. Again, this is not a, this is not a drifting life. All the way along with all the input God's going to put into your life, with all the things he's going to say to you, with all the revelation he's going to bring to you, with all the times he's going to bring his word alive to you, you're going to have the choice. You are going to have the choice of what you pour into your heart 
and allow to come out of your mouth. And the, and the scripture says, we'll go there in a minute if we have time, over to Proverbs 4, it says, you know, that guard your heart with all vigilance because out of it flow the issues, and that means the boundaries, the streams of your life. It's coming out of your heart. We don't have anybody else to blame. We don't have anybody else. Uh, we are where we are today, every one of us in our life, because of what we have meditated on, what we have thought of, what we have accepted into our lives and into our hearts and where our hearts have gone and the things that we have spoken, this whole spiritual dynamic that's going on. We're where we are today because of that, and we will go wherever we're going to go in the future because of that. And then there are one last thing on this. When you're out in the water, if you're in either a river or, or on the ocean, then there are tides and currents, you know, that are also pressing against that boat, against your life. There are, and, and I see that personally as the tides and currents of, of everyday thought in society and the world and the things that are going on, the things that are being said and believed and portrayed, those things that are many times, most of the time, contrary to what God says, those things are also going to be pressing on your life and trying to redirect you. Set your sails, set your heart in line with what God's doing and use the rudder, okay? You know, boats don't, that you can go upwind in a boat. You have to cut across and back and a little bit but you can get pretty darn close to right upwind and you can make headway to a shore that is upwind even. So you're, you are not out there just flailing around. You don't, you don't have to be out there just flailing around and drifting with whatever current uh, is going on right now. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Um, let's go on a little bit here. Take ships as an example. Although they're so large, they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants or chooses to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Remember all the fires last summer? There was one over by uh, somewhere around Rifle or over in that area in the I-70 corridor that was ignited by a semi that had chains dragging on the ground. It was just sparks. And think about, I mean, here's the lane. And then there's, what is it? A 12 foot wide shoulder or something on the interstate? Huge shoulder. And then all that dry grass, but those chains were kicking sparks and started a fire in the ditch that then spread up the hill from there. Little tiny spark. You know, we get upset with people here in the summer because they'll, well, I do. You probably don't because you guys are all so <laughs> holy. But when people leave campfires, you know, and they think, oh, you know, it's all burned down. They don't put any water on it or anything. And they go away when the whole place is a tinderbox and leave it. I'd string them up. No, I don't. That might be my flesh. But, but anyway, a tiny spark. We all know what a, what a fire can get going from a little tiny spark like that. That's what he's, he's trying to impress on us. This is our words. These are the things that we speak. We don't want to just be telling how bad everything is. We don't want, in fact, Karen was saying this this week, and I thought it was really good. So I'm like, you know, every month or two, every month or two, she'll come up with something really good. Uh, she, was, she was saying that, uh, you know, if, if we need to listen to our words, we were talking about that. We need to listen to the outflow, what's coming out of our mouths. 
And if somebody asks you what kind of day you're having, and every time you go to the negative, oh, well, this happened and that happened. And you, there are good and bad things that happen in just about every one of our lives, just about every day, right? I mean, there are, if we're paying any attention, there's some favor from God, there's grace, there's some good things, there's, there's a blue sky outside. Yep, there's still snow on the ground, but there's a blue sky. It's not snowing today. You know, there's some blessing. There's some good things. And and I'm not even saying, so try to fake it and always be Miss, Miss Sunny. I mean, it's not that point. The point is, listen to what's coming out. If it's always the negative, then we need to make an adjustment. We're not spending enough time thinking on and being grateful for the blessings of God every day. What is coming out of your mouth? Because those are sparks. They're going out there and starting fires that then, then you have to deal with. Okay, so... Uh, Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The sun, or the tongue, listen to this. I mean, wow. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit inspired James to write this down, but I'm thinking, here's a pastor having a bad day <laughs> right here. But, but it's... It's true. If those are the influences that we're letting into our heart, Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. It doesn't have to all be all come from hell. You know, it doesn't have to all be uh, demonic wisdom, you know, that's coming, but, but this is the way it can be. And then he goes on verse seven, he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, clearly, again, Proverbs 18.21 says, out of, uh, or the, the, what does it say? That our words can carry either death or life, right? They can carry life. So it doesn't, this isn't 100%. This is just how it's going to be. But this is what he's trying to point to. And he's saying, all these other critters, you know, have been tamed. But no man, no man, no human being in their natural effort are going to be able to control the tongue. It's still going to function like this. It's still going to start fires. It's still going to steer the course of your life. It's still going to turn your whole body. It's still going to do all that. But on your own by yourself, you're not going to be able to tame it. We need to change what's going into our hearts. Okay, we need to change what's going into our hearts and then we can change the whole direction of our life. And, then, and this is what he says. He says in verse nine, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he goes to the source. He says, look, check out is what's coming out of your spring. All right. Is it fresh or is it salty? Is it life-giving or is it not? Well, go to the source then. Go to the source. Go to the heart. We never can separate the words of our mouth from what we're storing up in our hearts. And that's what James finally comes to here. He comes to this point of saying, look, you, you know, you've got to deal with the source. All right, you can't, it's impossible to tame the tongue. 
without changing the source from which your words flow. All right, does that make sense? Let's jump over to Proverbs 4 real quick. We'll look at this and then and then we'll be done for this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to read this to you. Starting in verse 20 from the Amplified Bible. Yeah, we've got about 10 minutes. It'll be good. So I'm sure these verses are very familiar to a bunch of you. But here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, these are such foundational verses. It says, my son, attend to my words. All right, so just let this, this is just the Spirit of God speaking to us. My son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all your flesh, found right in the words that God is speaking to you, healing and health to all your flesh. Verse 23, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet and let all your ways be established and ordered right. Turn not aside to the right hand or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So let's just go back through this. I just want to give you a few definitions. Um, Going through this back in verse 20. He says, my son, attend to my words. And that means to stop whatever you're doing and focus. Stop whatever you're doing and focus on whatever God is speaking to you. It means to pay close attention to someone in order to perform or obey what you hear. To pay close attention with the full intention of obeying or performing what you're hearing. If somebody's giving you an instruction, uh, you know, maybe you're trying to learn something on the computer or something like that. If you don't listen to what they're saying, you're not going to be able to do what they're saying. And this is this was also uh, what Jesus had in mind when he would he would say, if you have ears to hear, because pretty much everybody in the crowd had ears to hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he who has ears, the ability to hear, pay attention. Let him pay attention. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Attend to my words. Consent and submit. In the original language, it says to incline the ear. I always see this as a dog that pricks up its ears, you know, when it's focused on the piece of food that you have in your hand. You know, it's that, it's that intent I'm listening, I'm paying attention, I'm leaning in, incline the ear, lean into what God's saying. So it's not passive. It's not when, when a scripture stands out to me or when I feel like the Lord is speaking something to me or gives me a phrase or something comes up in prayer, you know, whatever it is, I want to give attention to that. I most of the time I'll write it down because I will forget. And so I'll write it down. I'll go back to it. I'll think about it. I want to lean in. I don't want to just stay where I am and say, okay, that's good. Thank you, Lord. I want to stretch out towards, I want to listen to every syllable. I want to acknowledge. And that way I'm acknowledging, I'm saying, God, you're important. You're at the, you're at the front of the room. You're, you are important. I'm listening to you. I'm leaning in. Okay. And it says consent and submit. The idea there is I'm leaning in and hearing so that I can say yes. Okay. So that I can say 
Yes. The default answer with God is always yes. All right. Even if your heart isn't quite there yet or your emotions aren't there yet, you say, yes, Lord, I want to be there. Help me get there. Help me get there. Help me wrestle with whatever I need to wrestle. He's on your side in this. Okay. And, and, and I've had people come and they just, they kind of have the attitude, but I have a, you know, what if I have a better idea about my life and how it should work than what the Bible says? You don't. Okay. It's simple. You don't. God has the very best plan for your life. His word is full and rich and full of life. God has the best plan. Just settle it. You just have to settle it. God has the best plan, period. I had somebody in my office just not very long ago that was very, they, they just, they knew what God was saying. They just didn't want to do it. And so the only thing I can pray for you in that place is that you will change your heart, you know, because it's going to go the best for you if you just do what he's saying to do. So, um, and then he says, don't let the words out of our sight. And I, in that, I think about distracted drivers. Uh, don't let the word out of your sight. Don't get distracted with all the stuff of life to where you're just not, you're just not keeping your eyes on what God is doing and what God is saying. It tells us, keep them in the center of your heart. So they're not up on a shelf. The, what God has said, it's not on the fringe. It's not something you visit occasionally. It's in the center of your heart. Keep the word in the center of your heart. And we do this mostly by building the habit of reading and hearing and meditating God's word. We just build the habit of having that devotional time. Revisit the notes. I hope you take notes on Sunday. Revisit your notes. Revisit the scriptures we go over. Just be intentional on a day-to-day -day basis. Listen to podcasts. Fill yourself with the word of God. Okay? Next verse, verse 23 says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. We've talked about this many, many, many times, but the terminology there, the issues of life or the springs of life, they're coming out of your heart. It, it is a picture of irrigation streams, it's a picture of streams, streams define borders, streams uh, bring life, obviously, but it's the idea of a water course. It's going a direction. That is what is coming out of your life. The, the course of your life is being directed by what's in your heart in abundance coming out your mouth. Does this make sense? Are we getting this today? Okay. And, and so keep and guard. That it means, it means to protect something of value. Keep and guard your heart. Your heart is valuable. It's a treasure. And if you just think about what do you do with something that you treasure? How do you handle it? How do you, where do you keep it? What do you do with it? You don't just leave it laying out in the street for everybody to trample over. You don't just misplace it. And, and I think a lot of times we think God's valuable, his word's valuable. He's saying you're valuable. Your heart is valuable. Why? Because it's going to direct the course of your life. Are you listening to me? Your heart is valuable to God and it should be valuable to you. So keep it guarded. Don't, don't just take in everything that's out there. Don't, you're under no obligation to listen to a lot of garbage. You're really under no obligation to listen to other people's. I mean, I know we need to minister to people, but you know what I'm saying? You don't need to just listen to everybody's disappointment and fear 
and anger and garbage. And you, you don't listen, need to listen to everybody's gossip. You don't need to do that. You can minister to people and not do that. You learn to guard your heart. You learn to not allow, especially things like fear and offense. Don't allow those things to come into your heart. You just reject them. You don't have to reject the person, but you reject that spirit that's trying to come on you. Keep and guard. Treat it like a, a treasure, okay? Don't let everybody just trample over it. Verse 24. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk. Put away from you. Okay, so you're going to have to make some decisions here. Dishonest speech is, is these are words that are deceitful or lacking in integrity. Okay, it's, it's saying from our end, it's saying something that I don't actually believe. I have no intention of doing. I'm just saying it maybe to please somebody, to flatter somebody, to get somebody off my back. I'm just, I'm just saying what they want to hear. Let's not be that person. But also, don't make it a habit to hang around with dishonest people. Don't make it a habit to hang around with people that are engaged in lies. You know, I'd really, you know... Uh, We've been in jobs where, uh, you know, our boss was just a liar. He was just a major liar. And we didn't stay with it very long because I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to be around that spirit. I don't want to get that around, you know. So just refuse to lie. We need to learn how to communicate with people honestly and openly, even if it feels confrontational. It doesn't have to be mean, but to be honest, okay? It doesn't mean we have to say everything that comes to our mind to people, but nevertheless, don't lie just to placate people. It doesn't help them, and it doesn't help you. Are you having fun this morning? Okay. You're not responsible for making everybody happy. You're not responsible for their responses. Okay. So some of us just need to change how we think about you know, confrontation. Willful and contrary. Okay. What does that mean? It means stubborn, headstrong, self-willed. The determination to do what you want to do, no matter what the consequences are or the impact on anyone's, on anyone else's life. So that kind of speech, that kind of willful, rebellious, I'm going to do whatever I want to do speech, that should not be flowing out of you. Okay, and if you're going to hang around with people that live that way and think it's cool, it's going to get in your heart. So you got to guard your heart from that. Willful and contrary speech. Don't hang around with willful people. People have no regard for God's thoughts. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And our society is full of them right now. Okay. What time is it? I'm one minute over already. Let's, let's finish this. All right. Verse 25. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose. Let your gaze be straight before you. That just means stay focused on God, on the kingdom priorities, on kingdom principles. Stay with it. You know, it's... It, you've got to keep your, I'll put these two together. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose. And verses 26 and 27, consider well the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established in order to write. Okay, you are going to go where you look. If you've ever ridden a mountain bike, you know this. Okay, you look at the rock in the trail, you're going to hit the rock in the trail. You look at what you don't want to hit, you're going to hit it. Same thing on a motorcycle, same thing on many other situations, even in our cars. You look through the curve. You look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go, okay? And this is what the scripture's telling us. Look where you want to go. You want to be more godly? Look at God. Hang out with godly people. Look at his word. Keep that before you. Keep it in front of you. You want to have everything that the Lord 
died to give to you, keep your focus on the kingdom. Keep your focus on kingdom principles. If we keep looking at what we fear, we're going to hit it. You're going to talk about it and you're going to hit it. And it's very, just get on a mountain bike, go out on a single track and prove this to yourself. Stare at the rock and try to go around it and pick up a little speed. You'll hit the rock. I promise you'll hit the rock every single time. And, and it's the same thing they tell you with, you know, like on a motorcycle, it's like if something's coming up and you're having to brake hard and you're having to look at the hole that you want to go through, not the back of the car that just the distracted driver just stopped in front of you because you're going to go where you look. We're built that way. It's part of our design, okay? All right, let's break it off there and we'll talk about some other things next week. Did you get anything out of that today? Yep. All right, let's, let's pray today. Father, I just thank you this morning. Lord, as always, I thank you for breathing into every one of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, for your desire for us to have that purposeful harmony with you. Father, and, and today, I just pray, Lord, that for every one of us to, to learn how. Father, and first of all, let me just say this, Lord, show us. Just keep showing us by our words where our hearts are. Because we know you do that without condemnation. And so, Lord, then help us to repent of anything we need to repent of, to refocus wherever we need to refocus so that our hearts can stay fresh and alive and single toward you so that what is flowing out of our hearts, not just for our lives, but for everybody around us can be full of your life and your words. I thank you so much for that, Lord. We want to set our course with you, the direction that your will has for our life, Lord. So help us. We're just asking for the help of the Holy Spirit to do that, to make the practical changes that need to change. And as we go out into this community today, we believe and we declare, we go out there as light and as life, and we will speak life into other people's lives. Father, we go out there, Lord, to be those springs of fresh living water in every workplace, in every home, in our schools, Father, we go out there to pour forth your life and your light into others. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Well, whatever you're doing this week, be blessed. I guess I said uh, happy spring break, but I guess we're all the ones that don't have spring break. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. Anyway, I know some of you are gone if you're traveling. Be blessed and be a blessing. Let's say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.